0: What's going on, guys? AJ here back again with another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. And yes, I am bringing you another episode of Let's Talk Startups with my amazing guest, Ryan. He is the founder, the CEO, the amazing individual of a brand called Purpose.Jobs. They're doing amazing work here in the recruiting space directly for the startups and growth organizations. And I'm really, really proud of Ryan from afar, just from what he's built the way he looks at the world of recruiting, the way he looks at the world of employee experience, frankly, and we had a really, really great conversation. I'll be frank here. I, I kind of walked into this interview thinking that we were gonna really talk about this traditional kind of startup-esque content. And then it really turned into what you guys have come to love and appreciate, I hope, uh, which was a lot of this employee experience, recruiting, people operations, leadership, just a lot of great content that I know for a fact, every single founder needs to listen to, Every single startup needs to listen to. And so we dove into a lot of things today, guys. We dove into the Midwest tech and startup community. We dove directly into every single detail of the recruiting space, and, and and I even pitched a few kind of perspectives that I have and, and points of views that I have, and and I was actually very, very thrilled to, to hear that Ryan actually agreed with some of those point of views, and he's already doing some of that great work within his organization at uh, Purpose.Jobs, and so thank you so much, Ryan, for everything that you've done today on this episode. I am uh, I am thrilled, I am honored, I am grateful, and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better, getting to potentially collaborate with purpose.jobs. And for a fact, I'm just thrilled that all of you listeners and downloaders and subscribers can really get a moment to, to hear a really good conversation. Just two guys talking shop, two guys kicking back a few cocktails. And uh, that's what it sounded like. We actually didn't uh, drink any cocktails, but uh, I probably should have. But anyway, that's another conversation for another day. But anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you so much. Purpose.Jobs. jobs, uh, go check them out. Uh, go check this episode out, and talk to you guys soon. Thanks a lot. All right, Ryan, I uh, I really appreciate you uh, joining today on the on the podcast. Um, it's it's been a minute since we again, and we just talked about this uh, offline. It's been a minute since we've initially. Uh, chatted, but uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you were able to join. And and, and what I hope is two things. Uh, the first is that I hope uh, you'll be able to provide any sort of value to the listeners here, which I'm almost certain you will. And then the second is my hope is that we can really get a chance to understand each other a little bit more and and, and really find ways to help each other because um, I believe there needs to be more, more relationships and friends and, and partners in this world. And I just think it's the way great brands have built. So thank you for joining the podcast. And uh, I'm eager to kind of learn more about what you're working on, what you're thinking. And again, just thank you
1: for, for sure. Well, uh, Anthony, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: So do me a favor, give a, give us, you know, I always joke around and say, I'm, I'm not a fan of the, not a fan of the 25 minute background story though. I've been known to be a little long-winded myself, but give us hmm. maybe, give us maybe a a 97 second background, if you can, Um, you know, who are you? Where are you from? And, and uh, essentially just how did you get where you are now?
1: Cool. So uh, 97 seconds. Okay, I'm going to try to do this <laughs> in 90, 96, but let's see if I can do this. So uh, originally born and bred in, in Detroit, uh, went to Michigan State University, which was uh, which was great. But after I graduated from from school, uh, there was nothing really going on in Detroit and had no interest of, of being here. So this is about 10 years or so ago, moved out to Washington DC uh, to work for for IBM as a federal consultant. Uh, I think when I graduated, the title really got me. And so I, I was there, enjoyed it for a little bit of time. And then about eight years ago, heard about everything that was going on in the city of Detroit and kind of my hometown. And I was like, you know what? I have no idea what I want to do there, um, but I know I want to surround myself with uh, you know people that I grew up with and be a part of that startup and tech uh, ecosystem. And so, moved back home. I guess we're talking about yeah eight years ago now and uh, was a part of a company co-founded a company with my brother called Chalkfly. It was in the e-commerce space. We sold school and office supplies. Uh, traditionally, when you think about school and office supplies, pretty like unsexy. Uh, but tried to add that like Zappos, Ask uh, Innovation, Technology, Customer Service. We ended up selling that. And maybe I'm trying to think now about four years ago. Ended up starting the the company that I run right now, which is called Purpose Jobs. Uh, And the reason why we started this community is through our experience at Chalkline and a few previous companies, uh, hiring was always like an issue. There's like job boards, indeed monster, which are like medium. Okay. Uh, And then there's some headhunters, which are good, but uh, you know, sometimes you know, just it's very expensive to do, let's say in the nicest way on, on a, every single day. And so we created this recruiting community, um, specifically started in, in Michigan and Detroit, but now we're one of the largest kind of startup and tech communities in the Midwest and really just helping awesome startup and tech companies find kind of the perfect fit. And then on the flip side, helping candidates find, you know, their kind of purpose and, and helping them find, you know, careers that they really feel meaning and uh, meaningful. So that's what we're doing. And um, yeah, I, I hope that was under ninety-six seconds.
0: It was not, but um, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, it, thank you so much, man. That, that was really interesting. Um, you know, what's funny, and this may be my ADD, which I had half ago initially. Um, I don't remember that piece of it, right? I, I know that you're kind of running the community within the Midwest regions, but um, I'm really excited about that you're you're kind of playing in that recruiting space. So I actually just added one more bullet point to my list of things I want to talk to you about, because there's, there's something I want to go down a rabbit hole. That's very intriguing that you're doing that within the startup ecosystem. Um, but uh, so just do this for me. You know, you're not on the West Coast you're not on the East Coast, you're right smack dab in the middle of the country. Uh, what what's that community like? I mean, is uh are you are you a fan? Are you are you kind of like subconsciously a fan? Just you know, are you biased because that's kind of just where you you grew up and those are your roots or, or or are there some real are there's some real potential there that, that more people should be thinking about, i.e. investors, founders, et cetera.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I, you know, instead of me saying like which is better, like coastal cities versus kind of in the middle of the country, the the way that I would phrase it, Anthony, is like what are what are you looking for as like an individual? Um, you know, if you want to be a part of you know a ton of tech companies and just be another company and another individual out there, the, the coastal cities are are great for that. And right, they, they mm-hmm. are the biggest they are the biggest ecosystems of, of tech and startup companies. That's just like factual. But for me, um, and the people kind of we've surrounded. Ourselves within building this community, it's like, instead of just being kind of one of the numbers, it's like, let's be in the Midwest. Um, And even though we're all in different companies and and startups and doing our own thing on like an individual basis, like, how can we build this community together? And so, uh, you know, you're you're able to be a a big uh, fish in in this pond here. And so I I think it's exciting. And and I also think due to like COVID, I I think people are thinking about things and prioritizing in a little bit different of a way, it's so, you know, we were always excited about the Midwest, but like pre-pandemic and now thinking about post—well, it's not really post-pandemic—we're still, we're, we're, we're still in it. I think we're people are here. thinking, yeah, people are thinking about work-life balance. Think people are thinking about cost of living and all of those things. So if you're paying four thousand dollars, you know, a month for rent in, in a New York apartment, four thousand dollars a month in the Midwest um, can take you pretty far and get you. a pretty big house with pretty big yard um, and, and all that good stuff. And so I, I think people just prioritize what they're looking for in a job. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit different now.
0: Mm, that's fair. That's a fair point. I, um, I grew up in Baltimore and, and that's so right. I, um, when I started my first company at 19, um, the finances from that were, were, were interesting enough where I was able to, to move out of my parents' house, which is like in the inner cities of, of, of kind of West Baltimore. And even there, you know, a reasonably nice place was kind of in the range you talked about. I mean, even then, this was 11, 12 years ago. And even then we're talking 2,800, 3,000 a month for a reasonable, you know, apartment in downtown or even in the decent part of like even some of the counties. And so for me, I decided to move out to a small town called Hartford County that's, you know, you know, farmland and everything's really spread out, but you get a lot more for your buck, and 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 not only that, just the the peace of mind that comes with it. So, I I, I definitely agree. I think I think uh, I think the Colts are overrated, frankly, when it comes to <laughs> kind of living in those big cities, and and again, due to COVID and due to the ability to like the behavior has shifted, right? Like people are people are realizing that so much can get done uh, via zoom and via other tools. And so, um, and I think even, I don't know how much you've been researching this, but like, I even think I've heard like the real estate and some of the coasts are are starting to, to, to take real damage. So I, I think there's some good value there.
1: No, I I agree, um, and and I think coastal cities are taking a little bit of a hit. If I had to make a five ten year projection, but my guess is these coastal cities will will come back alive as as they should, and and that's exciting for them. But but I also think it's not an all or nothing thing, and mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is like. I haven't made the decision, okay, I'm living in the Midwest and that means nothing else. The way that I think about it is like, you know, I'm here in, in downtown Detroit, I'm living in the Midwest. Um, yes, we have, you know, lower cost of living. Yes, we have a yard, but like, this is all also where my family is. This is where kind of like my community is. And so for me, this is what I look at it is this is like my base and my launching pad. So like, because we're able to save money and do other things, it's like, I still want to go explore the world. I still want to go on coastal cities. I want to go do Everything, um, but this is just kind of my launching off point. So I, I think when people are thinking about or, or listening, seeing like, oh, do I have to choose a coastal city over the Midwest? I, I think I would just take a little bit of pressure off yourself and think about like, where do you want your base to be?
0: Mm, that's a fair point. That's that's exactly the way I kind of framed it. Like, where where do I want my base to be? You know, family, long term. So that that's a good point. Um, let me let me shift here. So recruiting. Um, what I, what I like to try to do in this podcast is I try to get, I try to get super like detailed into the bad now. And I I don't want to be dark, but what I try to do is I try to get startups founders, anyone listening to this to try to just consistently kind of keep an eye on areas. They may not be doing well. And so let's go down that rabbit hole for a minute when it comes to recruiting, um, what are you seeing just that is just objectively clear to you that, that, that startups in particular really need to start focusing more on whether that's some of the communications on the front end as they're bringing in talent? And I have a really interesting thought about that that I want to pitch to you, or maybe even um, or maybe even just the processes around recruiting and, and finding great talent. And like what, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What are some of the problems that are just objectively, just obvious that, that more companies need to start paying real attention to. Yep. So I think
1: where I think there's going to be a big transition between now and, and let's call the next five years. Uh, it's a little bit too hard for me to give a projection in the next 10, 20 years, but let's just talk about between now and the next five years it, it, is I think this idea of benefits. And, and what I mean by that is like, I, I think traditionally the way people uh, or excuse me, companies would recruit people is through this, like, foosball table is through this catered Mm -hmm. lunch is this like sexy office and stuff like that like I don't believe between now and the next five years, those, those benefits are really going to attract the best talent. Um, I think benefits are going to be, have to do something else. It's going to have to do with mental health. It's, it's going to have to do with physical health. It's going to have to do with work-life balance. It's going to have to do about your maternity and paternity leave or, or primary and secondary uh, caregiver. So I, I think specifically if you're like a young company and you want to attract not just people that have graduated right out of college. You want to attract mid-market people that have experience. I think you need to think about the benefits package just a little bit different than you may have thought about it. You know, let's say five years ago, and versus like five years into the future. I really just think the the package is going to look a lot different in the next
0: five years. So let me touch on something that's interesting. When you say top talent, so I've always I've always had conflicting points of views with this right like i'm a sports guy are you somewhat of a sports guy
1: yeah i i love i love well i I used to really follow the detroit pistons and lions but it's semi-depressing these days but um but yes to answer answer your question quickly
0: you guys just got rid of matthew stafford
1: matthew stafford yeah i'm I'm not sure where he's going i saw there was a bunch of
0: uh trades to to him
1: recently is that official
0: it's official. He was traded. So you guys got Sam Bradford and you, and they gave, and, and you guys gave them a uh, Matt.
1: Wow. I was looking at ESPN this morning and watching SportsCenter. center. So Anthony, you are up to date in the news. I, I appreciate that.
0: And you guys got three first round picks.
1: Maybe that'll change the story here. Who, who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what I was trying to bring up is this, um, you know, I'm a sports guy. Uh, play football in college just kind of through and through always looking at teams at one point I thought I was I was going to be a sports agent still might try to pull that trigger at some point because I have a I have a different point of view of how I can adjust the industry but um, when I look at like designing teams there's two ways to go about it right and I think of it the, the same way within the business context you have just a complete roster of just freaking all-stars that Typically, when you do that, you have potential alignment issues um, or you can hire a bunch of or bring in a, a bunch of athletes that are middle of the road, but that are just super, super, super um, empathetic and are super natural, like contextually like molding and developing into their environments and leadership and EQ and their skill is at a good enough level that you can get by and you'll have you have a solid run at it. Um, so I think about that in the world of business. So for me, I, I I'm still even 11 years later, I'm still in the middle. I don't know if I would rather have a middle of the road from a talent perspective, but someone that's fully bought in and willing to be contextual and, and ebb and flow and be flexible, or if I'm looking for a complete rock star and, and, and frankly, a fleet of rock stars where, um, where the, uh, where the alignment is. Uh, problems are just pretty consistent based off of my experience so where do you fall in line with that because in the startup world we always hear you got to bring the best talented to to be competitive what what are your thoughts around that
1: yeah so I, I think it's all about again going back to like your sports analogy yes it's it's important to make sure that the caliber of players that you're bringing to the table are really solid. But but I think it's also super important to make sure that the caliber of talent that you're bringing to the table all fit with each other. And so, um, you know, I'm going to try to do this analogy, but let's compare it to football for a second. You're, you're not going to want to bring on a team of all linemen. You're not going to want to bring on a team of all quarterback or all kickers, right? You you want to bring on a, a well-rounded team that people are in different positions. And, and what I mean by that bringing it back in for a second is, that, is I think people always think about this culture fit. Like, how are we all going to fit together? I, I think that's the wrong way to think about it. I think the the new way to think about it and how it's going to change over the next five years, if it hasn't already is, is culture contribution. It's like, what what are you going to bring to the table? That's different from everyone else in the, in, uh, you know, kind of around the table. Um, another way to explain it is like, you know, we always talk about like diversity um, from a race or or gender perspective, Uh, but, but also I think you need a diversity of thought. Like you need people that are also just going to think the different way. And so I think it's, you got to think about it in a multifaceted different way is like, yes, there is a, a level of caliber that you need to bring to the team, but also at the same time, the caliber all just can't be the same and fit in with each other. It needs to be a diverse set of groups uh, of people, individuals of thoughts. Um, and how are they going to contribute into the organization? Not just fit in with everyone, like uh, a best friend group, if that makes sense.
0: No, it makes complete sense. And too many startups get caught in that, in that, they look like me, they dress like me, they talk like me, they eat the same foods, they drink the same beers, we go to the same places, they get caught into that game, they went to the same universities and then they find themselves having a lack of diversity with with product output or, or a lack of diversity with like just internal executions or a lack of diversity around just, just high level strategies and ideations and all these different things that, that can affect your bottom line over time, right? Um, So let me ask you this, or actually, let me tell you, I guess, a a quick story and I would love to get your two points on this. Um, I made a really big mistake recently, Ryan, Uh, really big mistake. It's actually not, so I made a really big mistake when I was 19 that cost me a business in the people operations space. And then I made a really big mistake again at 30 um, that I know well to not make that mistake. I know this, I know the opposite of this mistake like the back of my hand, I've coached founders, I've coached teams to not make the mistake that I made. And I can't believe I made it. And here's the mistake that I made. Um, I believe, and I would love to get your two cents on this. I believe during the recruiting process of anyone that you're bringing into your organization, I believe in the beginning stages, as you are trying to decide your product market fit, or as you are trying to decide big meaty, like, you know, marketing initiatives or branding initiatives or partnership, our partnership lines, like like anything that's really kind of a thorough strategy. I believe if you have your foot planted, meaning you really know what strategy you're gonna execute, you know all the different levers of how you're gonna execute it, and you are recruiting someone to come in and let's call it what it is, be another one of the role players, but you don't overly articulate that you want them to come in and execute, and then they come in and kind of do the ideation thing, and maybe try to break ideas, i.e. the diversity of thought we just talked about. How do you think about that? Because the mistake that I made is, I believe what I should have done with the recent person I tried to bring to one of the three organizations I'm I'm a part of is, I didn't do a good enough job of saying, hey, our foot is planted in this ground in this one way. We had our moment of, of ideation and breaking and diversity of thought. We've collected that data. Our foot has now been planted. We want to move forward on this. I didn't make that clear. And what ended up happening is this person really broke a lot of ideas, and it put us in a state where we were stopping and pausing, and stopping and you know stopping and you know moving and stopping and moving. We we kept having these pausing moments, and it caused so much tension and confliction in, between the teams. Um, I'll stop ranting. Do you have any thoughts around? that articulation of that, of like, during the recruiting process, should you articulate that? Is that something that should be understood? What what are your thoughts on that story?
1: Yeah, no. um, no, I I appreciate that story. I I, I think the biggest thing is just making sure up front that you're setting the right expectation with whoever you're thinking about bringing on the team. And so expectation setting is like super important. And, Mm -hmm. And there's a really specific way to do it as in being like very clear, like, Oh, like one example, like, let me just use it. You're join. you're a marketing individual. You're a marketing team member. You're looking to hire someone that's in marketing. You're looking to increase traffic to your website. Like that's like okay expectation setting. But if you're like, all right, I am looking to increase our web traffic by 20%. And these are the levers that we know that can do it. That's like super clear. And so I I think being upfront, writing that job description, not as like past tense, like, oh, you need to have seven years of experience and two years of this and blah, blah, blah. Have the job description be more like forward looking and be like, you know, this is what you will be doing. This is what the first 30 days will look like. The first 60 days, 90 days will look like of success and define success. Not as of a feeling, define success as of like a specific result. Um, So I think that's one way you can do it. The other thing that I think is just have the person do the job is like, if you're able to, and I know this doesn't work in all situations, but if you can kind of try before you buy um, and, and I think it's good for both sides is just like, all right, you are a marketing individual. Um, let's put you on like a three month marketing contract. Um, you've got to pay them fairly, make sure for the individual, it's good for them and for the company, it's good for them. And then look at, I mean, you spend so much, freaking time with the people at work like date before you get married and so uh i I think that's another way to do it um and those are just like two tactical examples one the job description setting expectations and then setting expectations and just like real life play
0: no that's 100% right i agree with both of those points of views um the latter i'm actually a big 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 fan of um I'm all about, and then like, like you said, it doesn't always work out tangibly in every moment, but I'm a big fan of like test runs. So 90 days, 60 days, 45 days, uh, even project-based, like, you know, and it's not that we, we don't believe that they're competent and they don't, we don't believe that they'll be able to get the job done, but it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of alignment. It's a little bit of culture. It's a little bit of, you know, maybe our communication styles and our cultural norms right now don't mesh with where they are currently. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a feeling out process. That's, that's so important. Um, so what, what are some other things within the world of recruiting that, uh, that you think startups really missed a mark on or should we be thinking about?
1: Ooh, um, what are the, what are the biggest things? So I'm, I'm trying to think about look at recruiting as basically marketing, like however you're going to market your company. Um, and so you are selling a fitness product, you are selling a gym membership and, and all of those things. Think, think about that marketing funnel from like, Marketing it, telling the story to someone buying your gym membership, um, if that's your company, all the way into the recruiting world, which has the same marketing funnel. So think about how you are marketing yourself specifically to the talent community, um, because most people currently have jobs that are are really solid. Think about how you are setting expectations, how you are starting the conversations. Think about, you know, specifically. You know how is your hiring process? Think about how your onboarding process is. And, and I would really, I, I think the best place to start, because I know I'm throwing a lot out there, is, is really just map it out in, in a web flow uh, and just be like, all right, this is what box one looks like. This is what box two looks like. And think about like how all of the, the pieces connect together, because you think about that marketing funnel. Uh, again, I'm just going to draw a comparison to that people funnel and, and make sure you think about the whole entire process holistically, because as much as you're interviewing that candidate, uh, for that experience tire, they're, they're interviewing the shit out of you. So, so make sure you, uh, at least on service level, look like, you know what you're talking about and, and, and know what kind of that, that strategy is.
0: Yeah. So that, that's, that was really solid as well. I, I want to touch on one piece that you just said, as far as, you know, not only are you interviewing them, but they're interviewing you. Um, again, I know we talked a while ago and so I don't know if you remember too much of, you know, where I've been and what I'm doing now, but a lot of what I'm doing in this moment is really around um, supporting the supporting the strategic employee experience and the strategic people operation functions, you know, at the startup and growth levels and and, and bringing a lot of different points of use to that. And for me, the the kind of the overall you know, overarching kind of thesis that I that I've always kind of been a fan of, and that I, that I genuinely believe in. It's like this employees first mindset, and and how that shows up operationally. You know, when you think about putting employees first, if that's something you believe in, or when you think about employee experience, you know, do you ever do you ever find yourself kind of thinking about how do we operationalize, unpacking the feedback our employees, our employees have around, let's even call it the recruiting process, right? So like, like one tip that I've given to like founders and, and brands is like the last 60 or 70 days um, after you've already brought someone into the organization, you know, sit down with them for a moment and like have them unpack the good, the bad, the ugly of, of the recruiting process. Like, I think it's always a really interesting point to like unpack what current staff members feel or think about the recruiting process and what they went through and, 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 how, and what they thought about as they were in the, the organization. Have you ever suggested or, or advised companies to really have those feedback loops around adjusting and tweaking and changing how they go about recruiting by, by, by having those conversations with staff that are inside of the organization now and, and figuring out what they could have done differently if they were to go back?
1: for for sure i mean I, I think what you just said was you know perfect i'm just going to add on to that is like you know you're checking in with them after the first 30 days how was their recruiting experience and and onboarding experience then 60 days, you know, you should be doing the same things, but the questions are like a little bit differently, like how is everything ramped up? Uh, and then you know, maybe there's a halfway checkpoint, like how was your first half a year? And then an annual review. So, like uh, again, they're all talking about different things, but they're all again connected. And so I think it's super important to, to think about that. And and then I also think it's important to have that kind of like feedback structure. One ingesting the feedback. So, like you can ingest all the feedback from people or customers or whatever, but then the next thing. Is is like, what are you gonna do about it and how are you gonna execute against it? And so like, you know, from a people perspective, depending on how big your organization is, right, you could be getting a little bit of feedback or you could be getting a shit ton of feedback. And so like, once you get that feedback, it's like, how do you prioritize it? How do you share with the team that you guys are thinking about it? And then how do you also share with the team if it's a big enough team that not all of the feedback that has been processed will actually be executed upon. Um, so, you know, we, we always like to say feedback is a gift. Um, but that doesn't mean that always that feedback is to come back and like automatically change. So I, again, I think it's just expectation setting about one, how the process is going to work, um, and, and then having the process to actually implement the feedback. So if someone says, Hey, I thought X, Y, and Z could have been better. Okay. Now what are the next steps to, to do that? And so, we, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking about that all the time with our companies. And the word that we use, um, is friction is like, you know, when you think about the recruiting process and the recruiting funnel, like where is there friction and like, where aren't things going as smooth as, as they could be. Um, and let's identify those points and then let's identify, you know, high, how, how, how high of a priority they specifically are. And then the next steps around, you know, tackling them. Uh, and then we take the pressure off of ourselves a little bit. I mean, again, we want to execute everything, you know, in the next day, but we Say, All right, here are the three things that we want to get better in the recruiting process. We're going to do this in the next quarter in Q1. Um, so I, I think it's just having that kind of operating system and that feedback loop is super important.
0: Do you ever advise, so what I like about what you just said is kind of like the back end, right? So something I like to advise a lot of founders and, and, and managers and teams on is like, what to do once you get the data. Um like, what do you, what, what's your perspective on that? Like, once they get the feedback, once they get the data, what do you, what do you, you know, because let's call it what it is. Me and you both are playing in this founder startup, you know, like what, like, let me ask you objectively, like with some of the work that you're doing, you know, what are some of the largest, you know, you know, are these teams scrappy, like, you know, five to 50, or are we talking like real growth organizations that are, that are in the hundreds? Like, what, what are we talking from, from your experience currently?
1: Yeah, the the spectrum of companies that we work with, I would say um everyone that's on the smaller end for us um, would be someone that's maybe raised 250 500,000 and has a team of let's say 5 or 6. That that's probably mm. the the smallest team. And and obviously I'm I'm consulting and talking with a lot smaller teams, but for, from a business standpoint, that's like I would say our persona all, all the way up to enterprise companies, um you know, so, some publicly traded companies that we work with. But they all I mean they all have issues, and and Anthony, the, this is like the one comical thing that, that I'll say is like all startups like want to be enterprises and big customer and big companies, and then all big companies and enterprises want to be more startup esque uh, and That's and want to be smaller, and so it's it's like a little bit funny of like the challenges that we hear on both sides because you know, big companies are like, I want to be more nimble. I want to be able to get things approved faster and I want to be smaller. And then smaller companies are setting up processes to be bigger. So it's, it's a, <laughs> it's like a funny kind of a flywheel that we see.
0: No, that is a fair, that is a fair point. Um, I, I guess what I was going to ask is like, you know, once they actually get the data, you know, and now that I know the context of the, the full gamut of teams and, and, and companies you're kind of supporting, I mean, you know, what, what is your perspective and and or the advice that you're giving to them once they actually receive the data. I know for me, I'm all about, okay, guys, know proactively what you're going to do with the data prior to you even sending out the, uh, sending out the survey or having the one-on-one meetings or having the kind of all hands meetings or sending out the communication to get the feedback and have the feedback loop going, like proactively know what you're going to do and, and stick to it. Right? Like, have it in Mm -hmm. the calendars, have processes built around tangibly what you're going to do the second you get the data. Is that something you advise? Because I know, I know at a theory, kind of me talking in 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 a keynote or me giving advice on a 90 minute kind of consulting, you know, ad hoc advising call, I sound great doing that. But in real time, when you're trying to build product, when you're having meetings, when you're recruiting, when you're trying to build teams when you're trying to just make make this happen as a startup that 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 great idea of of what to do turns more and more into what it is, which is an idea and and less and less into like a tangible execution. what are, what are your thoughts around that and and what have you seen around taking that feedback and and being proactive around intentionally knowing what to do with it?
1: yeah, the the only thing I'll comment on that is yeah, anthony we're we're on the same page because, you should definitely allocate some time and some strategy to once you get the feedback, because people will give you feedback if you ask, I can promise you that. Um, what are you going to do with it? And, and I think that is a really important place to start uh, is what are you going to do with it before you send that survey out? Because uh, I'm kind of just repeating what you said, Anthony, like, if you're just sending that you know, survey out about feedback, and then you don't do anything about it. You're probably actually causing more harm than you know sending nothing at all. And so, uh, I, I I'm just going to echo what you said is like m- make sure that you're sending, you know, you're prioritizing time to actually execute on it. Um, but before you even begin of like the asking questions, because the the asking the question and receiving the feedback. I mean,
0: to be honest, that's that's the easy part. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um. So let's talk more about your company. Let me give you, let me give you a little bit of a moment to brag about yourself. <laughs> I mean, give, give me, give me the nuts and bolts of what you guys are, are doing. We kind of, we kind of briefly touched over it. Um, give, give me a little bit more of a granular look into what that looks like.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, so we started the business, you know, r- really with one intention. Um, and our like, why is like, you know, how can we you know, really be focused on building kind of the startup and tech ecosystem specifically in the Midwest. Um, And so the way that we do that is connecting, you know, amazing startup and tech companies with awesome humans. And so when we're working specifically with like employers, we really focus on two things. It's like, how do we help tell their story um, in like an effective way and and meaningful way. And then also, how do we match them with the best talent? And and matching them with the best talent means, yes, we match them based on like compensation, skill set, we call those all like the hard skills. Um, But we also really focus on matching people with like the human skills. And so if, if you look out there in the recruiting space, it's really busy with like skill assessments. And so I'm happy Mm -hmm. for all those skill assessments. And and I I actually think it's a really important piece to the equation our position is actually just to take the other side of the equation is really matching people based on um, you know that contribution. How do they fit within the organization um, and, and making sure that just expectations are aligned. And so a- as a recruiting company, like y- yes, we focus on hires and applicants and all of that stuff, but, but we actually really focus on retention numbers. And so how do we make sure that the people get placed at the companies that we work at? H- how do they stay there? And so it, it's all about the beginning of of the process. How do we set the right expectation? How do we tell the right story? And so that, that's essentially what we do for for companies and individuals.
0: Very interesting. And and what are the one like? What's like? What's the one thing you think you know is the? You got to pick all the, the best practices or strategies that you that you utilize. What would you say is the one that is uh, is really connected to 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 successfully landing not only an applicant inside of an organization but 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 having them kind of stay. Um, inside of the company and 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 i'll take a guess and i'll let you kind of explain deeper if the guess is right or wrong but i'm assuming it's really kind of finding finding that alignment between um not only where they want to go and where they want to be but but generally how they work and making sure the company that you're trying to place them in works or is looking for someone that works in a similar way or thinks in a similar way is is, is that a is that is that potentially right or, or or talk to me about what what that looks like around which one of your best practices that that will create high levels of retention
1: yeah so i i think it's everything that that you said and and i didn't mean to talk about so much like expectation setting you know during this conversation no, but it was but good but, but I'll go back to that again is is I think what we do well and I'm and I say that within a strong hesitation because we Anthony have a, a lot of things that we could always do better um, is, is we try to share all of the information up front and so from a candidate perspective how are they putting yes their resume together their comp information their soft skills their hard skills together but we also ask questions about like, for your career, what's important to you? Do you want to be working in a small company, a big company? Um, you know, like what are those important things for you as an individual? Um, and then we create a profile for that individual. And then for the company, we do the same thing too. It's like, yes, they, they have a job description, but they also upfront need to give us comp- compensation information. They need to give us examples of how people have been landed in their their company and how they've you know grown professionally. And so we essentially, I, I don't want to call it like a dating app, but we create create uh, what what I think to be really strong profiles up front. um, So everyone knows what they're getting into if that kind of marriage kind of happens. And obviously more times than not, it doesn't work, but like you rather get, out of the marriage or, or not even start the relationship um b- before you get placed or, or move on and so we, we just make sure and focus on sharing all the information up front so everyone knows what they're getting into if, if they decide to kind of sign that contract and, and start working together
0: that makes a ton of sense yeah I, i'm a big fan of that i am um, I, I we don't have time today but i again i told you i kind of want to just set some time apart and, and really get to know you even better so maybe I'll talk to you about this this thing that I've been uh, just trying to bring value around startups and and the recruiting process and, and employer branding. And so, and again, that's that's a whole nother concept that I almost even just now was about to spit it out because I'm so eager to, but I'll wait. <laughs> um, I have one last question and then I'll let you get out of here, man. I know you're busy and, and you're doing a lot of great things. Um, how do you think about, how do you think about recruiting and employer branding from this aspect? The the, 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 the the marriage between recruiting and employer branding and marketing. So here's what I mean by that, right? Like, so I've always been impressed and interested with like companies that are, companies that utilize paid media, right? Like sponsoring podcasts that they know potential talent are listening to. Um, going into niche communities and just authentically being a part of the community and like doing guest blogging or being a part of like keynotes or speaking events inside those communities or, or even like having like public town halls where the executives of the startup or the companies are, are, being, um, are being interviewed and they're having an opportunity to really get into like the deeper operational components of what they're building or what they're doing within their companies. What are your thoughts on like some of those like more macro branding initiatives to try to just at a macro level have, uh, have long tail kind of talent always being aware that, uh, that you guys exist? Because, I mean, there's so many startups out here now. Yeah. Um, do you have th- any thoughts around that? It's, it's a little out of the box that I've been floating some advice around a few startups that i talked to.
1: No, I, I think it makes a lot of sense when we talk about recruiting or employer branding or, or anything in that field. You know, the way that we think about it is in two different ways. You need to have that air cover um, where you're doing those sponsoring the events, whether you're going to the town hall, everything that you just said, kind of the air cover. And then you also need that kind of like traditional, more of like hand to hand combat where you're mm-hmm. sh- shaking hands one on one, meeting with people, talking about career progressions and stuff like that. But like, I, I think it's an important. Balance um, as you're specifically thinking about your recruiting strategy is to have the air cover and the hand-to-hand combat, because like the hand-to-hand combat, the strategy around that is like, okay, these people are like looking for jobs right now. Let's convert them. Let's get them in the, in the door. And then that air cover approach is like, there is a lot of good people out there. And most of them are all in, employed, um, p- potentially. Um, and you know, you, you just need to be telling the story. So when they are in that position in six months from now or a year from now, um, you know, they're thinking about you and you're your top of mind. So I, I think it's important to have uh, you know, kind of b- both strategies in, in mind.
0: hundred percent, man. Um, Ryan, this was a, uh, this was better than I ever could have imagined. I I really walked into this thinking that, you know, when I bring one, a lot of individuals onto the podcast that are, that are genuinely just in the startup space, we, we typically don't have the type of conversations that we just had, because as you can tell, like this is kind of my jam. I'm, uh, I'm a little, I'm a hybrid though, right? Like I to <laughs> startups. I'm working on things, and so um, I can definitely talk that traditional startup shop. But uh, I'll be, I'd be lying to you if I, if I wouldn't admit that I, I'd much rather kind of have the type of conversations we had today. Um, so thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate it um, where, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about your company? Where people, where, where can people kind of get in touch with what you guys are doing and, and potentially get plugged into some things?
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, a couple ways to get, I guess, a hold of me or, or the company is, uh, I'll just hand out my personal email address. It's, it's Ryan at purpose, um, period jobs. And, and that's Ryan at purpose.jobs. Uh, and then our website is purpose.jobs. So that's probably the, the easiest way to get a hold of myself or, um, you know, specifically our, our company, but yeah, Anthony, I, I agree. I, I don't even know how long we've been on here for, but uh, I feel like we could talk for another 45 minutes and it, it would just be the beginning. So if anything, I just appreciate you having me, my friend.
0: A hundred percent. And I will get this edited and over to you. And, and I hope that we can, uh, hope that we can chat again soon, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, this was, this was fun.
0: All right, brother, we'll talk soon. Thank you.
1: All right. I have a good one, my friend. Thank you.